John Wesley, father of the Methodist Church. I believe that's how he spoke. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Meredith. We want to welcome you to Inspired Conversations, the podcast study of the book Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again by Rachel Held Evans. The book is available on paperback and audio, so please follow along with us. Even if you aren't reading along, I think you'll find this conversation beneficial and entertaining to your own faith journey. Today, we're going to dive into a discussion of the sea and fish stories. This had a really interesting midrash beginning, did it not? It did. Brought me back to childhood a little bit. Yeah, I loved so the 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 sea um, story at the beginning was actually a choose your own Own adventure. adventure. Mm -hmm. Those were my favorites. Yeah, I think the Hardy Boys did a choose your own adventure. Oh, I'm sure they did. And I'm pretty sure I went through all of those Mm -hmm. in every way you can, like every single. Yeah, yeah. I love them when they're like you flip pages and you don't like it's not in order, so it's like then you they send you back to the beginning, and so you can't can't like yeah, cheat along cheat. Uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. and try to but my daughter is obsessed with the one that trent had as a child it's a cinderella one uh-huh. and she now knows which ones make the book longer <laughs> i love it so that's what she'll pick every time and if Nora tries to pick another one she's like no don't do that one love you it. don't understand the book ends early <laughs> yeah no it was interesting it was um it surprised me a little bit i don't know about y'all because all the other stories have been kind of historical biblical midrash mm-hmm. and this was like present day yeah and i started reading it and for some reason it freaked me out a little bit like it made it very um i don't know surreal the way she was describing it for sure yeah so the story is about a person who is on a trip to the holy land uh, with a church and um, Pastor Pete, Pastor Pete, <laughs> and they're doing all of these kind of you know typical churchy things, singing songs and visiting all of these locations. And it tells the story of Pastor Pete, who is kind of feeling disconnected from his faith on this trip and feeling like all I am is nauseous. They are on a boat on the Sea of Galilee to you know, go check it out. And there's people who are all into it. And he's just like, man, I just feel like throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, I know I should feel these things. Right. I'm not feeling things. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's very relatable. I felt like very interesting. And then, yeah. He sees a vision mm-hmm. out in the yonder. Mm-hmm. And then you someone have- in white. <laughs> someone in white. And then you get to choose yes. which route you go. Are you the person that jumps in the water to try and swim toward the vision in white or are you the person that stays on the boat and just kind of sees how it'll play out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you had to choose so which did y'all choose you you essentially like they play up this scenario where maybe perhaps jesus walking on water is out there in this modern day storm that catches this boat by surprise did y'all choose to follow after air quotes jesus or did you stay in the boat i stayed in the boat i'm a pretty cautious person by nature i I mean like i like to think i'm super carefree and you know sure let's try everything and while i do like to try things when it comes to personal safety i tend to be pretty cautious well and also in the story pastor pete didn't know how to swim right that's so that the felt kicker. real scary that's to the me kicker to right be like there. i'm just gonna dive in but guess what even if i could well i can swim so even if it was me i probably would have been like there's a storm we're on a boat i'm just gonna stay here and see what happens 
Yeah. And I talked about how I would need a little bit more evidence. Mm. Like I need, you know, to really know that it's Jesus. He's got to walk a little bit closer to me before I jump in and assume. But I do think if in the next scenario and B, when the other person jumps in and starts drowning, Mm -hmm. I do believe I would act. Absolutely. In that way to help. Right. I do agree. Um, So in the the B side, they stayed in the boat and decided to not chase after Jesus and ended up helping someone who decided to do that themselves, um, which was also in its own way. I think both stories um, tell a story of choosing faith at one moment or the next. And one is based on faith and one is based on, uh, you know, things that faith leads us to do, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I'm not just trying to be different and maybe it's just my uh, inclination to (laughs) Uh, play out things. Oh, come on, Ashley. But I chose to jump. I did. I chose to jump. I don't know. I've had some spiritual experiences where I've done some pretty silly sounding stuff. And then when you get in the water and you're drowning and you realize that it's like the it's a piece of trash floating. <laughs> and it wasn't, but it's... Well, it and Meredith and I will come pollution. get you. So yeah. Meredith and I will help you out. There yeah, you yeah, yeah. So y'all would, y'all would definitely save me. But for some reason, I was like, yeah, I'd probably jump. I don't know. I love it. And I think that I didn't meditate. I think I overapplied it to myself personally, the story, because I, I totally forgot he couldn't swim until you just reminded me that he couldn't yeah. swim. Uh, so yeah. oh, and that's yeah, just... No, I, that didn't really affect my decision. I still would have stayed on the boat. Yeah. No. <laughs> See, that's just bad dungeon mastering on my part. I wasn't playing the character all the way through. That's I wasn't right. playing well, someone I was could like, swim. He can't swim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I'm like, who doesn't know how to swim? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. His mother didn't put him in Emmler's when he was one years old. <laughs> Emmler's. Emmler's. How about you just kick the kid in the pool? That's what we do. <laughs> hey, that's um, the McBride family practice. You sink or swim. If you sink, we'll get you out. But yep, Corey Corey Hall used to pull <laughs> us for, by the toes to the bottom of the pool to teach us to kick <laughs> off, kick off the bottom and swim to the side. <laughs> It was traumatic for sure, but we're very good swimmers. (laughs) I I have no words. I'm just like sitting here gasping. I'm like, "Uh, I think my parents put me in swim lessons, even though it was in the 80s. And I were in someone's backyard pool. Yeah. Did you have to do the thing where you had to jump off the diving board and catch those stick? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The bomb at that. Oh, yeah. I used to cartwheel off the diving board. That was my favorite. Oh, no way, man. That's cool. I, have, I was never that coordinated. <laughs> yeah, no. I have one noticeable scar on my body, and it's under my chin from jumping off a high dive when I was like eight and hitting my chin on the low dive on the way down. Oh, so no, I don't like cow. I don't like diving boards and stuff. That's not cool. That oh, feels like it wasn't built correctly. If like you were able, or you like bounced around. I don't know the <laughs> physics of it. All I know is it hurt real bad. I wish we had iPhone videos back I know. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a cartoon. <laughs> the, worst, that. the worst thing is, I 100% needed stitches. Oh. But my mom, we were on vacation and my mom was like, I used to be a nurse. This is fine. We'll just put butterflies on it. And so I put butterflies on my under my chin for like three months is i mean like it took forever to heal in hindsight i'm like mom that was probably not a good thing yeah (laughs) well you know what they say nurses nurses are the last ones oh yeah yeah. go to the hospital oh yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely just put rebel spit on it yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so yeah no i would not have been jumping off diving boards catching Catching, catching sticks, sticks and stuff. No, no, no way, man. No, no. man. Shoving oh, well, you into the pool. Childhood <laughs> swimming trauma aside, I think, <laughs> I, I think that I think I still would have I would have jumped mostly believing that you know 
I, I think in life, I always believe that my life is going to change course because of something major. I think I'm always looking for the major things rather than the minor things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That, that was just me. <laughs> but it was really, I felt it, it was really affirming to read these kind of inside your head thoughts about someone. You know, we all work for a church. And so having moments where you're like, Ooh, is this the thing today mm-hmm. you know is is really affirming that <laughs> well and i like how um they ended it because they didn't say either adventure then automatically his faith was restored right. and he right. knew god but uh the i think side b mm-hmm. it says you haven't got your faith figured out not by a long shot but you've made peace with that you jumped when it mattered mm-hmm. yep. and so i think that uh feels good She didn't put it in a nice little bow, like, Mm -hmm. you have to see Jesus. No, she didn't. And for those of you who didn't read it, the person in white ends up being a guy working a dock in the middle of the storm in the the first... in the the first one Mm -hmm. so you kind of realize oh that's not what i thought it was Mm -hmm. and in the second one it you know of course someone else jumped because of that same reason but he landed on a sandbar yeah so So he was actually able to um, survive i'm doing quotes walk on water walk on water yes yeah yeah i did have to ask meredith i'm like is pastor pete supposed to be peter right (laughs) yeah they all have so you've got pastor pete matt mark andy phil yeah, I think those are. I didn't catch that at all. Oh, really? That's great. Yeah, that's well. I can't, that's why I wanted to confirm with Meredith. Like, I mean, yeah, to be it's Peter. possible that she just picked really coincidental names, but I think they're supposed to be the disciples. I think you're right because Peter's the one who walks on. Yeah, water. Peter's the one that jumped yeah. out and starts sinking. Uh, he did start sinking. At Jesus. first, he had great faith, yeah. and then it was like, wow. Jesus says, "Oh, ye of little faith." Yes. Yeah. A reverse midrash. She put a Bible story in the future. Yeah, y- y'all are watching Ashley's mind blown <laughs> as we're speaking. <laughs> so good, God. She's Why just... you read with friends? I know, <laughs> I know. So now that we've talked about the sea a little bit, uh, let's talk a bit about fish stories. Let me share a little bit of how Rachel Held Evans describes fish stories. Indeed, the Bible includes some strange miracle stories, and many of the strangest have scales. In addition to the miracle of the fishy tax payment, there's the one where Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish and transforms them into a feast to feed 5,000 with leftovers to spare. Then there's the story of how Jesus called his first disciples by instructing a group of discouraged fishermen to try casting their nets into the sea one more time. When they skeptically oblige, they are rewarded with a draft so epic it breaks their nets and sinks their boat. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. That comes from Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Sometimes the miraculous moment in scripture strikes me as fish stories, colorful exaggerations of events that may or may not have transpired as recounted. Okay, and if you want to go back to the Bible and read some of the stories, we'll discuss when Jesus walks on water in Matthew 14, 22 through 33, the story of Jesus healing a man with leprosy from Mark 1, 40 through 45, and Jesus raising a girl from the dead and healing a woman in Mark five twenty one through 43. And we might also talk a little bit about that famous fish story, Jonah, from mm-hmm. the book of Jonah. So do you have trouble believing some of the Bible's miracle stories? I, you know, the Bible is full besides Jonah and the more well-known ones are like the walls of Jericho falling and mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. There's some little small weird ones that i had kind of forgotten about until i read this chapter uh which ones come to mind for you that maybe are a little 
fishy. Oh, nice. I think, I mean, not necessarily trouble believing, but the ones that are more difficult to digest, pun intended, (laughs) upcoming, is the uh, loaves and fishes one. It's just Mm -hmm. how, I mean, yeah, I know Jesus can perform miracles, but like, what did that look like? Right. Was it like as soon as they turned around more appeared Slide or like did they watch them like materialize like yeah how was it a this... fish fillet or was it a full head <laughs> was it a trout or a bass i don't know yeah it just what what happened is i don't know it's weird that one's always been weird and i think i probably think more about it because it's one that we teach to children all sure, the time sure, sure and so i have more opportunity to try and i guess do some midrash in my head like what did this look like the disciple had to turn around did they have to put like a napkin over it and (laughs) then woohoo it's there again you know Mm -hmm. how did this happen Mm -hmm. no i think that makes sense and i yeah i it's so funny when i first read the question i read it as jesus miracle jesus's miracle stories and so that was what was in my head because um i think those literally happened and so I have a hard time with the one where he raises people from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. It just, it seems very hard. Mm-hmm. And so I get that because he's Jesus. But I that same thing, like I'm imagining what it's like. Yeah. Is she just laying, like how? Yeah. I don't know. Do yeah. they, do they like recover their, their skin and like all this stuff? Like how does, what does that look like? Right. Is it, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I just have yeah. questions. I, the one that they brought up in the book was one that I totally forgot about until she named it, which is when Jesus tells him to go get money from a fish's mouth in the lake. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I never think about that. Story. Yeah. No I mean like it just passed me entirely and I was just like, yeah, no, that's weird. Just imagining like a koi fish kind of coming up to the side and being like, nah. <laughs> well, and Meredith, you brought up the water into wine one this morning. Yeah. So that's more one that I just don't get. Like, it's <laughs> just weird flex, Jesus. Like, that that's weird to me. What is the point? And I've heard so many sermons preached on this and I've read commentaries and I've not ever read anything that was compelling for me. And not to say I think that it's not compelling, but just why? Why is that your... Why is that your first miracle and why the water to wine? Like, you want to make sure the party kept going? Well, yeah. I'm like, okay, so if we're supposed to be taking this as instruction, cool. Jesus wants us to party hard. All right. <laughs> but well, like, and do what your mother tells you. Yes. Because Mary was yes. the one who's like. It's just a bizarre thing. That one always yeah. weirds me out. And at our wedding, that was the the scripture for the homily um, that my godfather preached. And I remember standing up there where I should be remembering every detail of what my husband looks like and you know all the things i was like oh he's preaching about this one i don't understand this this is one i don't get why (laughs) why jesus (laughs) yeah and you know there's some other ones that are kind of interesting uh like all the times that jesus decided to cast invisibility and like move around too he walks unseen through a couple crowds a few times like literally like he is unseen by everyone who knows him and (laughs) and others too well that is interesting to think about Mm because um even when he's resurrected yeah people don't recognize don't recognize him Mm -hmm. and so it's like so curious like why don't they recognize him yeah Yeah, what does that mean he had he had the glasses with the nose and the mustache like a groucho yeah mustache (laughs) going on and incognito who is this guy (laughs) yeah or it's like was his light so vibrant right right so it's so interesting to think about um how since these stories are really hard to believe has anyone in the past tried to explain them to you 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I think the stuff that I hear is like the 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 natural phenomena that that led to like the sea parting right. for Moses. Right. Yes. The underground, you know, earthquakes that mm-hmm. led to a rise in Terra formation. Yeah. Right. Which you know, there's a lot of really sketchy, great, funny to watch. His, history channel documentaries oh sure <laughs> yeah lots lots of apologetics out there yeah yeah trying yeah. to make it make sense mm-hmm. and that's like noah's ark don't oh, they yeah. say that oh, park yeah. was actually flooded well, that was found in russia <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, i'm joking that is also a history channel show <laughs> yes yes indeed yeah because it's like they're trying which i respect science and history so much Absolutely. and i think it has its place in context of the bible um, but sometimes I think I have to make that just jump in faith. Yeah. When, yeah. When your whole existence is trying to prove something happened so desperately, maybe you should look at your faith a little bit first. I mean, I get wanting to know, but I mean, the people that hang their hats and their entire lives on, I have to find Noah's Ark so that I can prove it happened. I'm like, right. Okay. Or just don't. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, didn't this year, the three stars or planets collide that lined up supposedly was the star Star of bethlehem Bethlehem. yes (laughs) yes indeed Mm -hmm. i love thinking about it sure absolutely like it was cool to think about but i don't have to have it yeah yeah that would not throw me for a loop if it was not the case i think i think for me i often am comforted by the idea that god maybe used natural means to do some of the things that happened in the bible like i'm like chill i'm chill with this Mm -hmm. mostly because i'm not averse to evolution either i think god can work um god's miracles in whichever way god chooses Mm -hmm. so i'm 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 fine with all of that being true so if someone wants to say oh then this could have happened oh that's cool yeah sure why not (laughs) it was interpreted a certain way and that's that's amazing and it inspired us in this way in order to be where we are today which Mm -hmm. is great right and i've changed my ideas around things over time too so Mm -hmm. i've come to the point where i might change what i believe is literal and not literal in the future as well right yep I don't really think a big fish ate Jonah. Right. I don't. What? (laughs) I feel like that one's more of a story for us. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Meredith. I mean, all the veggie (laughs) tales. Throw the table over and run out. (laughs) All the the veggie tale miracles are, are, you know, like, or surviving the furnace. Yes. I didn't even think about that Uh, one. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Meshach and Abednego. 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 Abednego? Mm-hmm. Oh. A-B-E-D-N-E-G-O. Abednego. Like Abednego, as all like the kids say. Like what I say. tell my husband when he says I've played too many Correct. video games and Abednego. it's late. Abednego. Abednego. <laughs> 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 She's here all day, folks. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I got jokes, but I also got questions, too. So on page... 179 Rachel Levin says um, that she found herself dissatisfied with both sweeping literalism on the one hand and disembodied abstractions on the other. I feel like I can relate to this. Can y'all can y'all relate on kind of being in the middle? How has the Bible's miracle stories been explained to you through the years and which explanations do you find most compelling or most unbelievable? I feel like this is what we're kind of touching on. Like, 
Right. Do, where do you where do you find yourself in in the midst of this? Here. <laughs> right here. <laughs> right here. Well, no, it is hard because, you know, we do like to have explanations. We do like to have answers. And so I feel like we often have look for, you know, people will look for the um, uh, plausible plausibilities of why it could have happened that way. And that's kind of comforting. But also at the same time, there are some things like turning two fish and five loaves of bread into a meal for 5,000. They're like, you can't really come up with a plausible way that that happened. So you just have to rely on the faith that, it happened. Um, but I know for a lot of people and for me at various points in my life, kind of like what we've talked about before, you know, if everything's not exactly as it seems, then it can sometimes be harder to take it all, you know? Right. Right. Then is nothing right. exactly as it seems. That's right. what, like, there's, there's a book written, like everything happens for a reason and other lies I've loved. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if, Nothing ha- then does nothing happen for a reason if everything doesn't happen for a reason mm-hmm. right so um but it's interesting because she brings up I'll read a little bit from page 178 I once attended a lecture given by a Christian theologian who rejected the notion of the physical resurrection of Jesus in favor of a spiritualized interpretation wherein Jesus simply rose from the dead in his disciples hearts I I don't like that can't take that abstraction yeah no, no. It's no. too much. And I, I think I do live in a mix of it when I'm mm-hmm. reading the Bible of where things are literally and not literally. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. But I know also God is bigger than the Bible and bigger than my understanding right. of things. Yeah. And it's funny how I feel like we have a tendency to polarize that and feel like we either have to be fully with it or fully not against it because or, or just you you either have to be fully down with it being literal or fully down with it being allegory. And for me, at least, I, I find myself living in the in-between. And then as a person who's trying to, like, explain my faith to others, I end up feeling bad because I'm like, dang it, I'm cherry picking. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm cherry picking yeah. the things that mean a lot to me. But I feel like that's okay. I, I mean, as long as I realize that someone else might interpret that as allegory. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, and also, well, we know the books were written for different reasons and Mm -hmm. different agendas, and some were parables and some were taken a different way. And Mm -hmm. I think that as long as it's like a conversation starter where it's like, Mm -hmm. Ashley's like, oh, I take this one literally. And I'm like, oh, I don't. I'm not like, well, your faith is really shaky. How could you possibly think that? Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, it's funny that you read that because this is my favorite quote. And so I'll do what Meredith did last week. Yeah, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat because immediately after the quote that you read, um, she comes back to say after the lecture, um, I turned to the person next to me, a black pastor who had been fidgeting anxiously throughout the hour and asked what he thought. And he responded, if the resurrection is about getting raised in memories and hearts, that's not very good news for my people. What does spiritual resurrection mean for all the brothers who died on slave ships and all the women lying in an unmarked plantation graves? Where's their justice? Where's their liberation? If there's one thing historic Christianity is clear on, he said, it's that bodies matter to God. A revolution without bodies isn't a revolution. And that was so profound to me. And I just realized how the person standing giving that that lecture that day absolutely would never mean to make that man feel that his interpretation isn't valid because obviously 
that mean that that means feeling liberated to him and so i mean those both both of those things can live in the same lecture hall and everybody leave with a different understanding it has to otherwise just like we talked about last week jesus steps into our stories and makes them holy so that your story your part matters too right right because you bring your experiences Mm -hmm. when you're reading the bible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely Okay, so since you've already broken the seal on cheating and doing our favorite quotes early, uh, one of mine is on page 185, talking about um, the point of miracles. And, you know, she does this wonderful explanation of what Jesus's miracles were telling us and showing us. Um, And at the bottom, she says, the miracles of Jesus aren't magic tricks designed to awe prospective converts, nor are they tests from the past meant to sort true believers from doubters. They are instructions challenges they show us what to do and how to hope that's a great one i think that she she weaves this idea around these miracle stories with the man who has leprosy the Mm -hmm. child who has died um that these are people that were considered unclean Mm -hmm. and jesus should not touch them Mm -hmm. and in each of these stories they use the word touch right Mm -hmm. so he touched those who were deemed untouchable so he crossed, it wasn't just about what miracle he performed or how he healed them, but it was who he healed and who he touched. And how, yeah, yeah and how he healed. I know, and I was all happy because she used my favorite story that I talked about yep. last week of the, the woman who was hemorrhaging. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and that is, that is such a big story for me too. Because, you know, I was thinking about, well, if what, are, I was thinking, Ashley, well, if there are miracles that are hard for you to believe which are ones that solidify your faith. And mm-hmm. the one of the hemorrhaging woman for me is huge, mm-hmm. mostly because it's a story not only of him touching someone's life and changing it forever. He was crossing barriers that were not to be crossed, right. like you said, Kristen. And I think that there are so many times when Jesus steps over, just steps right over a fence. And, yeah. and all of the like Jewish leadership are like, whoa, 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 didn't you see the fence? And he's like, I saw the fence. I just stepped over it. I'm not interested in the fence. No, not interested in your crazy laws. I'm not interested in things that separate me from my people. No, and what we were talking about this morning is how crazy it is that in here, if you were paying attention to Reagan or Chris's sermons from Mm -hmm. last week, they talk about acts with the Roman centurion Mm -hmm. and how, let's see, what page is that on? In Acts 8, 26 through 40, when Peter, a devout Jew, encountered the hospitality and faith of the Roman centurion Cornelius, he had made the radical decision to not only meet with the Gentile, but to set aside nearly every kosher restriction in the book and share a meal with him. It is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, Peter confesses to his new friend, but God has shown me shown me that I should. And I think that the only reason... Peter could do this is because he saw Jesus as an example exactly of someone who reached those that weren't supposed to be reached exactly yeah and then Kristen right past that um, she says the apostles remembered what many modern Christians tend to forget that what makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out but who it lets in Oh, yeah, I forgot about that's a great quote. Yay. We've done my favorite one now. Oh, sorry about that, pal. (laughs) No, I mean, check, check. (laughs) I double starred that one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's so true, though. Even to this day, it is so true. It it just gets me. And I I think I shared this morning. But, you know, when you talk about Cornelius, and then before that, you've got the um, Ethiopian eunuch, who should not have been allowed in the faith, they shouldn't have been associating with them. 
Um, but obviously that was the very first incident of the new church kind of changing its mind and adapting and growing. And yet we have all of this in the Bible. It hasn't changed. It's not like it's even in some minor prophet in the Old Testament that people could say like, oh yeah, that doesn't really apply to us. Like it's in Acts. And yet 2000 plus years later, we're still trying to figure out who we should actually let in. And I mean, throughout history, all the times that we've fought and fought and fought and fought to keep people out and then ultimately, okay, fine, we'll change. And then we're going to fight and fight and fight and fight to keep Mm -hmm. people out. And then, okay, fine, I guess we'll change now. Mm -hmm. Like, at what point (laughs) do we just not say, how clear does does God have to be? Mm -hmm. It should be everyone included. Mm -hmm. It kills me. Mm-hmm. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it does. It just keeps me thinking about Chris's sermon and just about how the number of Americans that it's like 46% that right. actually say that they belong to a religious institution. And it's like, how, how can we reach those people? Because obviously we've got to change what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's proof right here that it's okay to change. Mm-hmm because they've been doing that for centuries. And in his sermon this past Sunday, um, he talks about, he gave us another stat about millennials that said that 84% of millennials view Christians, churchgoers as judgmental. 100%. I mean, I hate it. It makes me so sad. Mm -hmm. Which it's like, when did that happen? Mm -hmm. That wasn't, I didn't feel that as a kid. Did y'all? I did, but only because I think of where I grew up. And I mean, this is not this is not a by and large generalization. I know it sounds like it is, but living most of my formative years in the very deep south in Birmingham, Alabama, yeah. Christianity is very much a show. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like going to church on Sunday morning is a show. You get as dressed up as you possibly can. That's where you see all your friends and that's where you do all your things. And then, I mean... There's a reason that it's a like a well-known thing in the service industry that the people coming from church to eat at restaurants afterwards are the worst tippers and most of them won't tip at all. I mean, it's like this thing. They go and it's very hypocritical. They go and it's all for show and then they leave and they don't do anything that they said that they were going to, you know, in church. They don't mm-hmm. practice it at all. And I mean, in my middle school, we used to have a moment of silence, you know, at the beginning and you would have the, you know, the girls that would literally get down on their knees next to their desk and pray very, uh, very much like the Pharisees did, you know, just so that Mm -hmm. everyone could see them. And it just, it felt very hypocritical. And I had a lot of issues with it because it just felt fake. Mm -hmm. Well, and I've known some people who lived a lifestyle a lot like that when I was younger, who I'm are just now realizing that it wasn't a fruitful way to evangelize. Mm-hmm. Friends of mine who I've talked to who have been very staunchly judgmental or exclusive with their time and who they spend time with and, you know, who have said things who, that are like, well, I don't spend time with people who are like that because I don't want it to change me. Mm-hmm. And just these sort of kind of triggering things that they're just now, I'm I'm turning 31 this year, who are just like, I didn't realize I was pushing all these people away. And it's like, yeah, sometimes that can happen. You really get convinced that you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. And then you look around and everyone you were in the mission field with mm-hmm. isn't there anymore. Well, and it's interesting. I don't know what made me think of this, but like um, I have a friend who's a high school teacher and 
in our Sunday school class, we all have young kiddos and we were talking about like, oh, I don't know if I want my kids hanging out with the kids that are making bad choices. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I understand that. But then whenever all the kids that are making good choices aren't hanging out with the kids that are making bad choices, then there's not really like an example of how to make good choices or how to Mm -hmm. have love for one another. Mm -hmm. And I, it never had occurred to me that way. And I was like, oh, okay. So just the same that you could be fearful of the bad influence, you might also be hopeful for the good influence in ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's another good one. What do you think of the author's advice that when it comes to belief, sometimes you have to fake it till you make it, that you have to move your feet and your heart will catch up? Have you found this is true in your own life? What does it look like to jump when it matters? I have a complicated relationship with this. All right. I'd love to hear it. I know. Uh, so it's it's super Wesleyan. Oh, boy. Ooh. Super Wesleyan. Do you want to introduce people to Wesley? To John Wesley, father of the Methodist Church. I believe that's how he spoke. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> um, but no, so... Uh, Methodists really um, take Wesley's life and a lot of his teaching super seriously. Um, And one of the things that he, he was like the man of fake it till you make it. Um, He had a really difficult ministry. He had a really difficult life. He was not a perfect dude. He had plenty of problems with his brother and with his wives and everything. And one of the things that he said was that some days when I wake up, I'm just not even sure about any of this anymore. And so what I do is I keep going, keep doing the same things that I did yesterday. And I I never really have known how I fully feel about that ideal, just because it feels a little inauthentic to me. But then when I think about discipline, the only way to get jazzed about something you really want to be a part of your life is to keep doing it even when you don't really want to do it. Now, that's not to say that you can't give yourself space and time. If you're not feeling like waking up and working out a morning, you can skip it and it's fine. You're not a bad person. Um, Same with Christianity. If If you wake up and you're like having an existential crisis, the best thing to do is not necessarily to force yourself back into a space of existential crisis. Right. But if I want to get better at something, I have to keep the rhythm going and getting out of a habit is it's so hard to get back into a habit once you let yourself out of a habit. Right. So I don't know when it comes to spirituality, I walk this fine line of, yeah, I mean, I want to, I want these things. Um, but am I, am I being inauthentic? I don't know. What do y'all feel about that? Yeah, I think working at working in the church makes it a little more difficult because everyone goes through times that mm-hmm. are really hard. Everyone goes through times where um, they feel, you know, tested. And mm-hmm. whether it's your faith is shaken or just you're having a really hard time and it's really hard to keep your mind in the game, everyone goes through those. But when you work in the church, you can't just, especially like for me, I can't just get in front of a room of kindergartners and be like, look, guys. <laughs> sometimes bad things happen and it makes you real mad at God and you know, blah, 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 blah. And like right now I'm feeling real mad, you know, like you just can't do that. So you got to plaster on the smile and be like, Jesus loves you. And the love of God is overflowing in me. Yeah. And then yes, Ashley, I leave sometimes. and I'm like, I'm so full of crap. Like I feel like <laughs> I'm I feel, a fraud. Yes. I feel like a charlatan sometimes. Right. But I do think that, persevering and you know just sticking with it Mm -hmm. it uh, i mean yeah you have to do it there's no other way to do it right um it's a relationship you can't you can't just say all right hubby 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, we talked about marriage this morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see you in a yeah. little while, you know. Yeah, we talked about how it can ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hopefully we're around for a long time. So every season you might not feel as passionate about your connection with God as the previous one. But um, we also talked about it that it might also look more like wrestling too. Mm, like you right. might not be totally faking it because you still know something is there. And you know by attending worship or attending the study, you're going to get there. But you might not word vomit everything in your head right then. That's true. Because you might still be processing. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times I'm a processor before I'm going to be able to share what's going on in my head. But yeah, I mean, I I guess I kind of hate that fake it till you make it. Like I I like the idea of continuing to be disciplined and practiced and going to something I know that is healthy and good for me. Um, But yeah, fake is just such a bad word these days. That's what it is. That's what it is. That connotation around fake. Fake, especially because some of the stuff we were talking about about Christians that we don't feel like have like a productive um, way that they share their faith. Some of the fakeness, I think, is what triggers me to be like, oh, my gosh, I just really don't want to be that. Yeah, it's almost like I'm trying real hard till I get there. Yeah. Or like, um, I don't know. It just makes me think. uh, Yeah. If Mm -hmm. we can remove the word fake from there, I probably feel better. Yeah. Yeah, You know, persevere. (laughs) Yeah. I will keep going. Yeah. But then, but then for you, what does it look like to jump when it matters? Good question. Uh, Some of the other examples that she gives for jumping when it matters is on page 188. Mm -hmm. And it says, it's been said that if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Sometimes getting out of the boat looks like showing up for another recovery meeting. Sometimes it looks like filling out hospital paperwork for an elderly neighbor. Sometimes it looks like making casserole for a family down with the flu or offering free babysitting for the friend with a job interview. Sometimes it looks like jumping when it matters. What does jumping, getting out of the boat, look like for you? Oh, I see. I see. I see. It's almost like springing into action mm-hmm. when it matters. And we were talking about this morning about how it's probably something that you're not, you might not be super excited to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it can either be an inconvenient or is or really a struggle for you to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, as with most things, mm-hmm. um, you know, practicing your faith is not always easy. Um, and there are times uh, where you have to choose courage over comfort. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, step away from what makes you feel warm and fuzzy and do the hard thing. Um, and I think doing the hard thing, even without knowing what the outcome's going to be, is jumping when it matters. It's... Yeah, I was even thinking about how even if you're just because some of these are big and some of these are small, but even if you're like having a crappy day Mm -hmm. and you're at the store and you're checking out, it's not you then ranting all over the cashier or slamming it down. It's like, no, you're jumping when it matters and you're being kind to people and even when it's real hard for you. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of a TikTok person that I (laughs) that I watch. Um, It's a mom. Um, And her whole deal is positive body talk. And um, so kind of parenting-ish is her TikTok. And one of her videos was about her daughter was really angry. She has like a six-year-old, was super angry and frustrated. And rather than taking that out on her sibling, she chose to do something nice, even though her mom knew she was like having a meltdown. And so 
she had a conversation with her where she said, thank you for walking towards love. Thank you for choosing to walk towards love. And it kind of reminds me of that. It's like, no matter what's going on, as long as you orient yourself in the right direction and walk that way instead of towards anger or towards jealousy or towards yeah and you know what that's almost like a fake it till you make it because like Mm -hmm. your heart you might feeling that you want to do the angry thing but instead you're going to walk toward love which is not Mm -hmm. what you're feeling right now right right well i think i think that this feels like a lot of answers today a lot of different answers a lot of contextual stuff i don't know it's not a stumper not not at all but it's it's very um there's a lot to unpack I feel like that's very personal, which is where this book's been going about our own stories anyways. Do we have any closing quotes? Mm -hmm. I want to close us with a quote from page 188. Jesus calls his disciples, wrote Sarah Miles, giving us authority to heal and sending us out. He doesn't show us how to reliably cure a molar pregnancy. He doesn't show us how to make a blind man see, dry every tear, or even drive out all kinds of demons but he shows us how to enter into a way of life in which the broken and sick pieces are held in love and given meaning in which strangers literally touch each other. And in so doing make a community spacious enough for everyone. That is great. And I think that's, that's all we can do. We can't perform miracles right now. uh, Most of us, but we can act in love. Mm, I love that. That's a good, that's a good wrap to this, to this chapter. I love it. Well, thanks for joining me again today, guys. Um, That's about how much time we have for today. Next week, we'll wrap up season one of Inspired Conversations. Oh, you're whooping and I'm crying. Oh, it's not over. It's just the beginning. That's right. It's not over, folks. We're going to wrap up with the chapter, The Letter and Church Stories. Um, And don't worry, we are all already dreaming and discussing what season two is going to look like. So we need you. If you have any topics or books to recommend, we would love to hear about them. We want a good book, guys. Um, Send me an email, ashley at cumc.com. That's L-E-Y. And thanks for joining us. We hope that you'll have a great week. And we'll see you next week for the last episode of season one. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode. As a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministry produced by Ashley Danner, you can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to view our full listing of podcast series. Like, subscribe, and follow so that you don't miss a single message. Thanks for supporting us. Have a great week.